0: Well hey guys, welcome to the Bowhunting Soul Podcast, thanks for joining me again. Okay, so, um, quick little, no real updates, actually, since, uh, the last time I recorded, really, um, I think the only new thing is I did end up ordering that bow, um, I ordered a 66 inch, uh, Pacific stick from, um, from Eric Hoff at St. Patrick Lake Longbows, I don't know if I mentioned that in the last episode or not, I always forget what I talk about in the intros, because I never record them at the same time I do the actual, um, actual podcast so um that's a couple months away a few months away and i'm pretty excited about it and uh, i'll give you more details uh uh later as it kind of shapes up but it's going to be i think I, I settled on um purple heart for the riser and curly maple for the veneers and a dish grip and uh, yes i am jumping back into giving another shot at the asl thing so um i still I still love my other bows, don't get me wrong, um, I am really really looking forward to be reunited with my Elkhart which is down in Florida right now because I'm going to go down there in March. Uh, so, about a month and a half or so, and gonna go pick hunting down there. That's I think I told you guys that I, sh- I ship my bow down there at the end of De- actually in the middle of December, early December, just to make sure it was down there for the trip that I was supposed to do at the end of December. I uh, didn't want to fly back and forth, back and forth with it because um, it costs a lot of money to ship the thing. So, it is uh, it's down there, and I really, 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 really miss it because I miss shooting that bow. I really do. So, um, anyway, other than that, so today's guest is a guy by the name of Cash Scott and uh i stumbled onto his youtube channel just like I, I do with with a lot of other people with you know socials and stuff like that and uh here's a guy that just like he just builds a lot of cool stuff um you know he's he's a hunter uh to the core but um you know he's gotten into building self-bows a lot of self-bows and been you know successful and stuff and just I, I just like watching him him work i mean he's kind of like a I don't, I don't want to say like a startup or whatever, but I mean, he, he hasn't been doing it like all. Of, well, he's been doing it uh, quite a while, but he's really dove into it as far as like uh, building it and um, you know even even selling some stuff. He sells uh, you know other things that he makes like knives and things like that on Etsy. And I'll try and link that in the um, in a description in the uh, 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 show notes on, on the podcast to uh, to his accounts and his and his channels and all that stuff. Um, so I just I just. You know, wanted to you know talk to him and get to know him a little bit better. He does some out-of-state trips. Uh, he hunts with his wife. Um, his channel is called Cash Scott. You know, Cash like uh, Cash Money Scott. C you know S C O T T. And um, yeah, I just thought uh, he he was a pretty pretty neat individual. You know, he he's got like a, a little shed outdoors. I mean, you can tell that he's like suffering in the cold in Michigan when he's uh, out there, and it you could see his breath, and he's you know huddled up in his uh, you know uh, outdoor Clothing and things like that, whittling away, shaving away, making all, making all this, um, all all these things by hand. So, anyway, um, I guess we'll just get into the podcast, and I'll let you, I'll let him explain, explain everything, kind of what he does and what he's into, and uh, more about him. So, I hope you guys enjoy it, and I hope you guys have been enjoying the podcast. I know they're kind of more sporadic now. They're, you know, instead of sticking to every two weeks, you know, it's kind of been like every three weeks almost. So, we'll see how it goes uh, going forward. It's just, you know, just time. Time is. time is the biggest problem being able to connect with other people and actually being able to record so uh yeah you know trying to put out you know decent content and as as often as i can but um i hope you guys are hope you guys are enjoying it so anyway we're into february now today's february first or second i can't remember first february first i think so um yeah pretty soon it'll be turkey season that's the only thing i have to look forward to in spring and um i'm actually getting you know kind of sort of Ramped up for it. I really, I really do like it. So, um, anyway, with that said, here is my interview with Cash Scott.
1: Okay. Yeah, I see it. So starting. There start. we
0: go. Awesome. Cool. All right. Uh, so. Hey everybody! Uh, welcome to the Bohoni Soul Podcast. Um, today, I have a guy that I literally talked to for like how long? Did we talked about thirty seconds before set recording. Yeah, this? just
1: about. Uh-huh. <laughs>
0: uh, Cash Scott, right? That's how you say his yep. name, obviously. Cash Scott. Yep. Uh-huh. Um, again, thanks for coming on late. I, I appreciate it. I know I, I, I said it before, but I, I really, really do appreciate that. You know, try to squeeze these in late at night is kind of inconvenient for people. So. Um, like, like I was kind of telling you, like, I kind of stumbled on your, um, your YouTube channel, like really recently, like within the last week or two. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, just cause I'm like combing all kinds of like, like traditional content and bow hunting content and stuff like that. And, uh, I thought, okay, well, a couple videos popped out. You had like, a, um, a recurve hunt kind of a vlog, uh, over mm-hmm. the, you know, several, courses of you know days or whatever you, you popped up there and then i started watching your other stuff like oh man I'm like this guy builds bows he builds knives he builds cylinder arrowheads and you know, you've taken a couple out-of-state trips you know i saw that and uh i thought okay i really want to kind of get to know this guy so i reached out to you and and here you are yep yeah so um, I guess we can start with like a little bit a little bit kind of about you um uh, anything other than obviously you know my, my little synopsis there, but you want to kind of just kind of tell you know like you know where 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 you are what you do and uh, you know like a quick quick little like synopsis of like your your history there
1: yeah, so I live in uh, the central upper peninsula of Michigan, so um people always get confused of like upper Peninsula, but obviously uh, divided into two separate section so um pretty snowy pretty cold up here um mostly have deer and bears um so i've hunted a little bit of both and then uh i grew up in lower michigan i've kind of moved all over and lived in a few different states and all over michigan but i've been back up here for uh, five or six years now and then uh uh probably about four or five years ago I started trying to make like at least one to two trips out west every year. So I've been kind of, I've kind of, you know, found a place that I've been, I think, three years now, and um, been kind of throwing in some different places along the way. And then uh, this past year, my wife and I did uh, elk hunt, uh, which was like an early archery season. But um, I've done as far as like other states. Obviously, I hunted in Michigan. Um, I lived in Minnesota briefly, so I um, hunted there, Washington State, and then uh, Nebraska, Utah, Wyoming a couple times. And it seems like there's another one, but I can't, oh, I've hunted Wisconsin, I think, once. Um, Yeah, so I um, hunt mostly, or I've hunted almost exclusively public land, uh, man, I don't know, for like 10, 15 years. Um, so I just kind of like going into new places and finding um, you know new animals and and just kind of having to figure it out as I go.
0: Yeah, so um, it, th- I mean that sounds like a lot of trips. We'll, we'll get we'll get into those, but I mean you're kind of like a younger guy, right? I mean that's that that's pretty impressive for for. I mean I, I I'm guessing you're still in your 20s. I mean I can't really tell that.
1: But... No, I'm 34. Um, oh, okay. So well, still. I think
0: the first.
1: One of the other places, the first places I hunted like out of Michigan was when we lived there. Um, when we lived in other states, but I think, I think maybe 2017 was the first year I took like a, a dedicated um, out-of-state trip.
0: Oh, so that's re- relatively relatively recent then. So did you? Yep. Um, you, you So you said you you're, you live in. Um uh, Michigan right now, upper, upper, upper UP. So uh, what, what do you do up there for, I mean, what, uh, for, for a job? I mean, is that, is that something that, that took you up there for a job or like, do you, um, it's it just, it's just something that drew you there for, for, you know, other reasons, you know, less people, solitude, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Um, my wife and I went to college up here and that's where we met. And then, um, we kind of moved around a few different places, but we always had our eye on moving back here. And then she got a job up here, Uh, When we moved out six years ago or whatever, um, I do uh, just kind of like general building maintenance, but I'm a welder by trade. So um, mostly like welding and fabricating, um, mostly like metal fab. And then uh, I did do like some wood model making for a little while. Hmm.
0: So pretty good with your hands, obviously. Uh Um, is, I mean, how did you, uh, you know, aside from the hunting part of it, I mean, how did, how did you get into doing that? Was you, were you like artistic as a kid? Were you, um, uh, did someone kind of teach you, you know, hands-on kind of stuff? How did you get into doing all that? So, um, my dad hunted with a recurve when I was a kid, obviously
1: rifle hunted and all that too, but, um, bow hunting for him was with a recurve and muzzleloader was with, um, you know, like a older percussion style. Um, So that I was always just kind of drawn to that. Um, I did hunt with a compound uh, for quite a few years. And then uh, I'd kind of like dabble back and forth with a recurve. And then this year, like at the end of the, what what year is 2022 now? So the end of um, 2020, I just decided to put my compound in the case and I was just gonna hunt with a traditional bow. Um, But as far as like getting into building bows, um, when I was a little kid, well, not little kid, I guess 12 or 13 or whatever, when you start hunting, we went to a uh, traditional league and there was a guy that, um, had shot a deer with a ash self bow and made an arrow, made a broadhead and everything. And I was like, that's pretty cool. I'm going to do that at some point. So the first deer I ever shot with a bow was when I was 15. And I shot that with a, a Bingham projects recurve that I made with my grandpa and my grandpa actually wasn't a hunter. But he was a mechanical engineer, so he helped me make all the jigs and fixtures and stuff like that. And then I just kind of like dabbled off and on, um, you know, with the recurves and longbows, um, you know, kind of over the last 20 years. And I would kind of get more into a compound when I was busy with a, you know, job and or busier with a job. And um, yes, yeah, so I, I guess that does that, that explain it?
0: Oh, yeah, no, ab- absolutely. Um, like I said, I- I'm always kind of curious, like what kind of sets that 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 spark to, um, uh, you know, dive right in at a relative, again, like I was saying at a relatively young age to actually like building your own stuff, you know, because people yeah. kind of seem like go through the progression kind of like you did, but a lot slower. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. They, they had, uh, you know, an old like fiberglass bow that they got, they chased like chipmunks around when they were a kid.
1: Uh-huh. And then
0: they grew up, got into compounds and then they left hunting for a while because they got into high school and everything else. And then they kind of picked back up again and then they transitioned back into, uh, traditional archery, let's say, um, or, or what have you. But, um, it seems like you, you kind of accelerated that path, you know, so it seems like kind of like a deeper rooted passion that you had to just not only like hunt with that stuff but to, to build it you know uh-huh yeah
1: yeah you know I always like you know whatever you're doing I always like I do that and then I always like want to take it to the next level so you know like last year when when I decided I want to get back into traditional then it's like all right I want to build a cell phone I want to make arrows from scratch I want to make heads from Scratch, and then it's like, well, I've been hunting with a compound for a while. Maybe I should kind of ease into it. So I went, uh, you know, with a fiberglass recurve last year and aluminum arrows and and all that sort of stuff. But um, this year I plan on hunting with um, either a self bow that I'm working on right now, which is going to be a Osage recurve, or uh, the Hickory recurve that I just finished up a couple weeks or a month ago. Um,
0: yeah, I was uh, in in one of your like most recent videos. I think you um, that was that it was that vlog I guess from this year, and you were mentioning uh-huh. that that recurve that you're working on. Um, but in some of your older ones, you've got uh, is is that like an off the shelf uh, bow that, that you hunted with past past couple seasons? That that other recurve that you were on that? Um, I, I know you carried it for that elk hunt and in mm-hmm. the you know the doe hunt and all that stuff. So, uh
1: huh, yeah, that's a an older Martin Hunter recurve. I think it's probably about twenty years old.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, so when you, I guess we, we can back up a little bit again now. Um, when you when you started picking this 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 the bow up right back uh-huh. you know back when you were a kid, uh, but before you started building. Now, did you? Uh, you say you said your you said your dad was a hunter, but your your grand grandfather was not, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So, did he bow hunt? or was it just more, uh, rifle?
1: Uh, no, he was a little bit of everything. Um, he, you know, rifle hunt and, um, and then also bow hunt, mm-hmm. but w- with a bow, like in my lifetime, it was always with a, a recurve. So,
0: so is that where you picked up, um, like kind of learning how to shoot? How, how was that? Cause I mean, this was before obviously, you know, the last like five, six years, let's say where, there's an explosion of you know channels like yours, channels like you know all these others that uh, will and podcasts, you know, that kind of oh. almost like like teach you how how to shoot how to shoot a bow and and tune and all that stuff. So how did you what what, what was your learning experience?
1: Yeah, so that was kind of like in the um, G. Fred Asbel instinctive shooting, you know, phase of I think that, I think that seemed like what everybody was doing, um, you know, on those days. So uh, just really pretty basic you'd look at like the spine chart and three rivers archery and see you needed like 50 55 wood shafts and uh you just kind of glue on a point and go with it and um you know i'd shoot okay like with um with instinctive shooting but i was i was just so up and down with it and i think that was you know kind of where my where i'd get like you know frustrated and feel like i just didn't have enough time to devote to it uh through like a lot of my 20s and then um i don't know probably about five six years ago i saw that um the the original push video where they Mm -hmm. you know really got into like the fixed crawl and stuff like that but uh man as far as like when i first got into it it was just kind of more like you'd grab a set of arrows and a a bow and just kind of start shooting
0: sure um do you have you changed your style since then? I'm guessing, or um, what do you what do you do now?
1: Yeah, um, when I like when I was kind of dabbling back and forth between the recurve and the compound, I was doing more of like a fixed crawl. And then uh, this past season, I just went with a gap, and um, you know, I just ha- I think I had like a 32 yard point on, so I was just holding a little bit um, low, depending on where I was at and like that that video that you saw where I shot over that dough, I just didn't hold low enough but mm-hmm. you know that's how it goes so
0: yeah um so you you've kind of you've kind of done I'm not say all of it, but as far as like you've tried the different methods, right? Mm-hmm. So wh- what's going to be, what's going to be your method for, ne- for, for next year? Cause I mean, I'm guessing we're for me anyway, like I'm always evolving, always trying, mm-hmm. you know, and it sounds like you are too. Um, so having done the kind of just, you know, bore a hole and stare, stare at a spot and, you know, do, do the Asbel thing versus uh-huh. fixed crawl versus, you know, it's like sight pinning kind of thing, gun barreling. What's, what, what do you, what do you think you're going to kind of go, go forward with?
1: I think I've pretty, I mean, I could always change my mind, but I think I've pretty well settled in on, on gap shooting. Um, what I really felt comfortable with when I was shooting a compound is when I had made the switch from just like a trigger release to back tension and just being able to like hold and focus on the target. And, mm-hmm. um, I just kind of overthink things way too much to be a good instinctive shooter. I think if like guys that, that can do it well, um, you know, I think it's, it's probably better on animals, you know, when you can just kind of pull up and shoot. But Mm -hmm. for me, um, I think having, like, I think with those self bows, it'll probably be a a closer uh, point on that I have. And I think just whatever is the simplest for me is going to be the best, you know, where, um, I can still have like that point of the arrow on the body of the deer. Mm -hmm. Uh, if that makes sense, just so I'm not like, you know, kind of in a like it you know like in an imaginary zone yeah you're not floating two
0: feet part. yeah below the brisket somewhere on the ground trying to right you know yeah, yeah. right um is that is that because you think um just energy wise your, your arrow is just not going to have the same kind of oomph uh, with the self bow and it's just going to tighten up those gaps or you know I, I
1: think some of it's just bow to bow like with um my martin hunter that i hunted with this year um i had a lot bigger 25 yard gap then. Like, I've got a little short checkmate recurve, too, that I, I had set up just in case something happened to that Martin. And uh, that just didn't have as big of a gap for whatever reason, shooting the same arrows. And I, I think the speed was pretty similar. So, I don't know if it's just something about, you know, the sight window or what. But the phones definitely do have less energy to them. I mean, a little bit... Um, that, like that last one that I made is a recurve, so it's a little bit quicker than uh, just the straight-limb longbows that I've made in the past. But um, mm-hmm. I think it's just not as fast as, you know, like a, a glass-back bow, but that's all right.
0: Yeah, I think you're right with the, with the assessment that it's different bow-to-bow. Bow and um, so, I, so I've got, like—I'm staring at the wall here. So I've got, like, two 1966 Bear Grizzlies, right? One uh-huh. is, like, 40— Forty-two pounds. The other one's like right around fifty. Um, you would think that the, well, uh, okay, uh, the the point on for the for the for the fifty pounder, you know, I, I really I guess haven't measured or whatever. But it seems like I'm maybe it's just because it's so much fl- uh, faster and, and flatter. Uh, oh. But it's not it's not like a ton faster, right? But I just I, I'm I'm holding more like let's say like sub fifteen yards, okay, because I really shoot past twenty. Um, Well, and in my basement here, I can shoot corner to corner about like 13 yards. Okay, Uh so I'm actually shooting um, like a whole lot like I don't shoot gap, but I'm conscious of it. Right. Uh So it's it's maybe it's just because it's so much flatter. Like I I can almost like I'm, I'm hitting if I switch from my lower poundage bow to the higher poundage bow, I'm hitting like really low on with the faster bow because uh maybe it's just not arcing up before it comes down and it's just kind of like you know i I don't want to cut a laser beam that this bow isn't exactly like a a stunner but as far as speed goes but i think it's just it's just flatter shooting totally different uh, trajectories um yeah yeah you know it's 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 weird that's why uh, you know um they say not to jump back and forth um to me like i'm I think I'm able to jump back and forth, you know, well enough that I can I can I can jump around between the bows I have and I have an L car too and um, it, it really doesn't seem to, to, to bother me uh, as long as I you know I'm familiar with the with the flight path, I know how it's going to fly, but um, it's just it's just something to be something to be cognizant of, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um so your your the first bow that you made is you said is that the one that you had success with?
1: No, um I tried making a bunch of board bows, and I broke them, and then um, I bought a hickory stave. I actually still have this bow, and uh, I made like a, it was just like a 66-inch hickory flat bow, and uh, that was the first one that I got to work, you know, to where I could shoot it and um, not have it break on me, and uh, so I shot that for a while, and then um, I don't remember why I ended up making that fiberglass recurve. Instead, but um, I I probably made a few bows in like in between there. I made quite a few bows when I was in high school. Um, but yeah, it was it was just like their basic. I think it's a 58 inch three piece takedown.
0: Oh really? You made a you made a takedown.
1: Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When when you get the kit, it comes with uh, you know, they've got like templates, and I think they had like a jig for where you drill the holes for uh you know like for the limb bolts and the, mm-hmm. the pins and all that
0: so you know I've always wondered like I've, I've never built a bow in my life and and I'm not I'm not quite at the um, stage where uh, it, it's you know that, that I have the bug for it you know what I
1: mean uh-huh.
0: but I look at all these um, like takedown bows right and just the amount like just the amount of like stress that's on those bolts or bolt or bolts or depending if it's got one two or whatever that's, that's just kind of just you know I mean the limb tips are trying to lever that thing and you know like wrench it away from the riser right, right? yeah and I'm just uh-huh. amazed at like um I mean what's in there what's what's in there for an insert I mean is it something that's glued in is it something that's hammered? I mean what what keeps that thing from just like just yanking out
1: yeah it's been a while since I made a three-piece um it was like a you know kind of like a little bushing that went into the riser. And um, I wanna say it was like knurled and glued in there. But yeah, I mean, I guess it is pretty impressive that with the amount of pressure on there, you know, and sometimes like I doubt um, glue, you know, like on my, like all my my all wood bows, I use tight bond to glue them together. Mm -hmm. And you think like, oh, is that gonna be strong enough? And then it's like, well, I've made them um, with rawhide backing where that's glued to the wood so you know that's just that's like what that glue is designed to do is hold that in there you know yeah. like hold that insert in there
0: yeah 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 again again. Oh. I I know nothing about it. I know I know guys that'll you know use epoxy, for example, right? Or or uh-huh. I don't even know what kind of epoxy, right? So when they're doing like limb laminations or or things like that, I know like you're not doing lambs. Um, you're 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 still mostly doing just like the the self bows with with. Are they all backed? Are you backing all of them? Um, the some of the self
1: bows I do, and then uh, some of them I don't. Like that hickory recurve I just did mm. is like just a true self bow. So. Uh, just the wood, no backing, but like the, um, the fiberglass recurve that I shot that first year with, that is, uh, I think there was like fiberglass on both sides. And then there were like two pieces of wood sandwiched in between there. So that is laminated. Um, I have made some wood laminate bows, like I made uh, some Osage, like an Osage belly and then uh, bamboo backing. And I think I've done some with hickory like that too um it's been a while since i've done a laminated all wood bow though and then like last winter i made one that was uh rawhide backed
0: okay you know i had um well i've had a few bowyers on you know um and they all seem to i think the first one to say it was uh kegan mccabe you know from omega Uh um and he, he he was we were talking about just like the strength of like you know how, how do you hit certain weights you know and what do you when you put these together how do you know what's what you know and he was, we were talking about like all the different formulas all these boyers have and stuff but he's like and we got to talking about the the, the glass right and he basically said you know the gla- the wood is just basically there as like a filler between the glass that's where all the strength really comes from so the thing yeah. doesn't blow up you know uh-huh. so and, and that just amazes me like the strength of just like epoxy and you know fiberglass basically and uh-huh. then you got you know whatever I, I know there's more to it but i'm just again i'm i i'm i'm, I'm curious enough to ask all these questions on like the fringe um kind of like looking in into this, but it's not something I would really want to like dive into just yet you know, but although yeah. you know the the thought of like huh, you know uh, guys make board bows all the time even if it's just for like an just for a a learning exercise you know what uh-huh. I mean whether it's gonna blow up the first time you draw back or not but i'm just I'm just not quite ready to do the hey let's go to home Depot and pick out a piece of wood and um, right, yeah. watch watch a few YouTube videos and start shaving wood kind of um'm uh-huh. I'm, not, I'm not quite at that stage. You know, I'm, I'm about to enter the wood arrow stage, okay. you know, <laughs> I don't think I'm going to go down that rabbit hole, but not quite at the, at, the, at the bow stage. But it's still I still like watching or learning like how other people do it because it still fascinates me. I know it's uh-huh. not like magic, you know, there's, you know, signs to it all. But I, I just think it's still pretty cool.
1: Uh huh. You know?
0: Yeah,
1: I, I think probably like if it, if it's something you're kind of interested in playing around with, I think the board bow is probably like the the most simple way to get started. Well, I mean. Yeah, I guess it depends because it it depends on like, you know, picking out the right board and having a good grain structure. You know, they're like, they've all got like their um, simple aspects and then their complex aspects, you know, I guess it. If that makes Yeah,
0: sense. I, I, again, I, I've heard people talk about that too. Uh, and I wouldn't know what to look for, but then again, I, I probably have to like pick up, uh, you know, what is that, the Boyer's Bible or whatever, or yeah. some, or, or uh-huh. watch some more stuff and just, just kind of learn on, lear, learn on that. But, uh, uh-huh. no, I, I don't know. I, I, I think it's pretty cool. Um, you know, I watched like, let's say like, you know, Clay Hayes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, <laughs> you know at, at first it's funny how we all kind of like evolve like what what kind of strikes are fancy and what doesn't you know in, in this sport because at first I would I would like look at his bows and I'm like ah oh, that's so ugly you know because he's got uh-huh. like those crooked like crooked limb like zigzaggy kind of limb bow, yeah. bows and stuff like that and I'm like no no I you know I, I that's that doesn't really you know um you know light a fire under under me or whatever but then like in the last couple of years I've watched this stuff and he's just you know walking around with one of those things and I'm like that'd be so cool uh-huh. you know it just that that bow you know but then you look at it like okay well how long is it gonna last you know because i i need you know i I like robust Uh you know what i mean so i don't know there's 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 a lot to play with there i think yeah i think learn
1: i think a a well-made self-bow can you know last a really long time i mean they can i think they're easier to have things go wrong with them than you know like the the fiberglass i don't want to say it's indestructible um but they're They're pretty darn tough, but, um, I think like a, a well-tillered, um, self-bow really hold up pretty well.
0: Yeah, um. And I, and I guess you got to follow, like, the the etiquette for it, too. Like, you got to unstring it every time, and this and that. Like, mm-hmm. my bows never get unstrung. <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs> They just sit here. You know, I shoot them every day, but still, like, they, I've, I don't think I've ever unstrung a bow unless it's to change the, you know, the change the brace height or change the string or, or mess around or whatever, but... Uh, right. I don't, I don't that's... think I
1: unstrung my my Martin Hunter all season. It seemed like it was strung all the time, but now that I've gotten back into the self-bow, it's just kind of, you know, gotten to be part of the process every time I go out and shoot it, just uh string it up
0: sure yeah now and you're doing this all kind of like in your it looks like it's like your garage or shed or something like that
1: yeah when we bought the house that we live in it had uh, a storage shed and it didn't have any power or anything so I ran power out to it and then uh it's not insulated which is kind of interesting this time of I see year, but that I got, yeah I got a little uh radiant electric heater that I put in there it kind of takes the edge off of it <laughs>
0: I I was watching uh one of the one of the videos and you're in there and you're like you're you're full on like hat car hearts you know like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just um you know like cold air like you can see your breath you know like I uh-huh. mean it's it's and I'm like oh man you know but um you, you've got like uh you know you got your your tools in there like you know bandsaw this that and the other so you got some like you know good power equipment in there at least to uh-huh. be able to uh you know get stuff done but yeah it's 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 it was also like one of those things that um kind of attracted me to that because it's like okay well here's a guy who's just doing it like just just straight up passion right because i mean uh-huh. who else would be out there freezing their ass off in like you know a shed <laughs> you know just just you know full of sawdust you know what i mean
1: uh-huh right yeah Yeah, I mean, you you gotta just kind of make use of the time when you got it, and um, you know, there's not really a whole lot of hunting to be done here this time of year, so it's kind of like, you know, my my time to take advantage of it. And uh, I mean, you get kind of tired of the cold. I mean, I'm sure you get used to it too in Minnesota, but you get tired of the cold, and you just kind of gotta learn to work around it a little bit. But yeah, it can be kind of interesting. I usually take two pairs of gloves, and I always got. One sitting on my heater so I can <laughs> just keep swapping them out and have a, a warm pair. But I was out here there oh, a week or so ago, and it was like negative three. I was doing some forging on uh, some knife blades, and I was just outside doing it. And I was like, oh, man, I'm, I'm warm. So I took my coat off, and then once I turned the forge off, it's like, oh, yeah, I forgot. It's like, you know, right around zero.
0: Yep. So when did you get into doing the the knives and stuff too? Because uh, let's see, you had the there, there's one that I saw you made. I think it was a broadhead. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you're doing your own broadheads and stuff like that. But then you, it kind of kind of you know bled into the knives. I mean, is that is that did that kind of come along all together, or is, are you just kind of branching out?
1: That kind of came along by accident. So when I started doing YouTube, I had like a goal of building all my equipment bow arrows head and um shooting a deer with it and then i was like well i should make a knife too so i made the first knife i just used like a, a regular like framing hammer and a blow dryer for a forge with just wood heat and uh, i made a knife and then i kind of just go down rabbit holes so i made that one knife and then i made one for a guy that i used to work with and then um then I was like, you know, saw another knife that I wanted to make and, um, you know, just kind of kept adding to it. So I don't know how many made now. I think, I guess I made three this year already. Um, I guess I lost track of how many overall. But yeah, it's just kind of, um, you know, one thing led into the other. And then, um, like those first broadheads that you saw, I just did those out of, like, some sheet metal. But then uh, recently I made some out of a a grade five bolt that i put in my forge and then heated up and hammered out just kind of doing some testing
0: oh okay <laughs> That see that's uh, that, that's just like super cool to me you know again all, all that stuff i would love to try but like there's no way i'd have like you know i, I don't have a i have a garage i don't have a shed you know what i mean uh-huh. so like automatically like you know anything beyond like uh, portable hand tools like like a bandsaw no <laughs>
1: uh-huh. <laughs>
0: it's not happening you know <laughs> um uh, like, a uh, what do you call it? Uh, a form, you know, for limbs, uh-huh. no, not happening. We're, we don't have the space for that. So, right, um, yeah. it's almost, you know what, I, I, I'm, I'm almost thankful that I don't have the space for it because if I did, I try to probably like try to fit some of that stuff in there right, and branch yeah. out into more, to more shit that I really shouldn't be, ran, you know, branching out into. But, uh-huh. um, are you, are you, um, are you making these for anybody? Or are, you, are you just, just like like personal projects or you, I mean, you plan on I mean, do you plan on something like selling like this stuff or getting into any of this? Because um, uh, you said you are a welder by trade, right? Obviously. Yep. So uh-huh. um, any any other plans for that?
1: Yeah. Um, I've got an Etsy page and um, I sell knives and uh, bows and I've got like uh, some bow kits and uh, strings and stuff like that. And then I've sold some knives and bows, uh, just word of mouth to, you know, people I know and, um, you know, people locally and stuff like that. So.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. What's uh, what, what's the, just under Cash Scott under Etsy? Or is it, are you under like a, like a business name or something?
1: Nope, just Cash Scott, just like my uh, YouTube.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'll have to go check that out. That's, that's kind of cool. I, I, I like, um, you know, it's, you know, so, some people go on there to, you know, check out like, you know, like earrings and, uh, you know, handmade doilies and other, other people go out to go check out handmade broadheads and knives. Uh-huh. So, so right. I think yeah. I, that's, excuse me, Etsy's pretty cool for that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, you said you're, uh, well, I, I saw on, the, on on, some of your videos too, like your wife goes hunting with you. Now, is she, does she hunt as well? Um, or does she does come along or is she hunt her in her own right? Or how, how do you guys?
1: No, we, um, we talk about her hunting every once in a while. And, uh, a couple of years ago, she just kind of out of the blue said, I'd like to go on an elk hunt. And I was like, yeah, I'd like to go on an elk hunt too. Um, so we just made plans and, and did that last season, um, and I think she just kind of enjoys like the you know the mountain aspect of it. And um, if you have you ever been elk hunting? I have not. Okay, I, I think just like the screaming bulls is uh, just kind of a you know a unique aspect of it compared to other hunts. But um, she just kind of got interested in that from you know all the videos that I was watching on YouTube of you know Randy Newberg hunt mm-hmm. elk out west so um we there was were there talking. was
0: this one clip sorry to interrupt but i, for, oh, I forget it? there was this one clip where um the, the look on her face i think there was like two bulls fighting or something it sounded yeah. like it sounded like the side of the mountain was was like collapsing or whatever right, <laughs> right and then yeah. like you you pan over to her and it's like oh my god uh-huh. <laughs> you know and that was really that was pretty cool i think yeah. that sums it up yeah
1: uh-huh we had there was like we're kind of like on this ridge and we're looking down into a canyon and it was pretty thick. So we couldn't see them, but there were two bulls in the bottom screaming back and forth at each other. And then there was a third bull on the other side of the ridge that we were looking at. And I just hit a cow call and one bull came over the ridge and then one came out of the canyon and uh, yeah, they just collided. And um, Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just kind of insane. Like the amount of noise, that the those two animals make but I mean when you think about I don't know what an elk like a bull elk weighs probably 600 pounds or something I mean two two big animals like that just crashing together and that's funny like I remember just being kind of like dumbfounded when that happened just because you're not like expecting it to be that intense and then when I was editing the video just seeing the, like, the look on her face, too, where, like, her mouth was wide open. I <laughs> thought that was pretty funny, but, yeah, that was, that was probably, like, the most, I think, like, I might have said it in the video, but, like, um, I shot a bear the year before, and I just wasn't, like, ready to hear the death moan, you know, and that kind of, like, threw me for a loop, and I think, like, that, and those two elk fighting were probably, like, just like the most intense, like raw moments that I've ever had in the woods.
0: Yeah. I didn't know that you'd instigated that, that little tussle. Cause I, cause I heard, I heard you do the little cow call, you know what uh-huh. I mean? And then, you know, but just with the editing and stuff like that. So I didn't know if they were actually like, reacting to you or you just happened to, you know, but they were already fighting, you know what I mean? But,
1: um, yeah, I think <laughs> that they were, I think they were kind of like working towards fighting and I'm sure that the cow call didn't help things at all but
0: yeah lit the fuse
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah um so is this something you guys plan on doing like every every year every couple of years or i mean it sounds like at least it looked like she was kind of hooked and i'm sure you know you're hooked i mean i would be if i you know got, was it colorado did you guys go to colorado where, where was that no
1: we were in uh, utah
0: utah okay
1: yeah um yeah we definitely like to i'd kind of like to work it to where we can do like um kind of like rotate between like some over the counter and like draw hunts Mm -hmm. so we can have like some, you know, higher quality hunts in there. But it's something that I definitely like to do every year. And we are planning on doing it again this year. I think, uh, like last year, um, we had a lot of encounters with deer and there were a couple mule deer that we could have shot if I'd had a tag. Um, and I just didn't, I didn't want to spend extra money on a tag. So I think, uh, you know, next time around I definitely spring and get an extra tag and then probably try and spend a little bit more time out there by the time you drive across the country and, you know, get camp set up. It, it just seems like a lot of times, especially with a bow hunt, like you're there for a week and then you kind of like just start getting it figured it out. And then it's time to go back home. Like last season, you know, you, you never want to say, like, if I'd had three more days, I could have killed one, because there's a million things that could go wrong. But sure. it's like, I felt like on the fifth day, it's like, all right, I'm starting to figure this out. Like, I think if I had another week, that I could really do some damage. Hmm. But with elk and, and how big that country is, there's just a million things that can go wrong and keep you from getting one.
0: So, um, you know, without giving, like, details of where and all that stuff, right? But can you kind of like kind of walk through the um uh, i guess like the planning process and just the lo- logistics like I've i've never done an out-of-state hunt right um, uh-huh. especially not out west or anything like that so uh, i mean for you you guys have this conversation she brings it up says hey i'd like to go elk hunting you're like yes this is awesome uh-huh. <laughs> you know she she just, she suggested it not me great we're, we're in right and mm-hmm. then so after that like what do you like what what's the first step i mean what do you what, what do you do where do you how you know how do you plan out where you're gonna you know stay camp that kind of stuff because i mean as a midwestern or like a non-westerner right um we always hear about how complicated um, like uh, the rules are out there, not just for like tags, but like access and where you Uh can camp and, you know, you can camp on this type of land and not on this type of land. And um, you know, if you're staying in a hotel or motel, you know, how far are you driving? I mean, what, what's the first step in planning?
1: Yeah. So I guess the first thing that I look at is, you know, kind of figure out like my budget and how much money I got to play with and then start Pricing out, you know, different states for tags and um, you know, and then kind of get an idea of what I'm gonna spend on gas. And then after that, then I start looking at like, okay, I've got zero points in this state, and I've got, you know, however many points in whatever state, and then look at the tags that I can get with what I got and um, and then just figure out like, okay, so I've got it narrowed down to this state, and then I'll look at, um, you know, like on or whatever, and then start finding like some big public areas. And then I'll just look up the, um, field offices for uh, here in Michigan. We call it DNR, but you know, they call it different thing in every state. And then I just kind of start going through and I'll just start calling biologists until I get somebody that'll talk to me and, um, and then just kind of start saying like, I'm thinking about going to this area and I'm looking at hunting elk or antelope or whatever. And, um, you know, kind of looking at, um, you know, this general area and then, um, you know, like they'll say, Oh no, you know, this area wouldn't, there's not really a whole lot of elk in there. They're transient or whatever. And, um, and then I think you kind of just got to go into it with an open mind. Like um, every time that I've gone on one of those trips, I do a ton of like map scouting and a ton of planning. And then every time without fail, I get there and I've got a bunch of Onyx maps downloaded to my phone. And I just think, what did I get myself into? And this is not at all what I was expecting. Like, um, the first time I went on an antelope hunt, I shot an animal or shot my antelope way on the other side of the unit. It was probably almost an hour away just cause the, the first place that I had picked out just didn't have any antelopes. So I think, yeah, I mean, it's tough cause it's like, you gotta be ready to kind of like scrap your plans, but then you also gotta be like kind of stubborn enough to like stick with it until you've exhausted your options, if that makes sense.
0: It does. Um, well, one thing you said there—you said you call up some of the biologists and stuff. Now we, we've all heard that for years, right? Call the uh-huh. biologists in the area, give, you know, talk to them, whatever. Um, h- how did that go for you? Because um, I'm. W- when we, I mean, we like the general hunting populace, right. That doesn't go out West. We've heard that for a long time, but that was kind of before like this explosion in Western hunting. Like we hear uh-huh. all, all the stuff about how there's this, you know, big, big, huge interest, especially in bow hunting seasons, um, for, you know, a public land, uh, everyone's complaining how overcrowded it's getting and this and that. So I'm, I'm assuming, I don't know, I'm assuming that these people, um, uh, the, like the, the dnr offices game and fish offices biologists what have you they're I, I i gotta imagine that the phone call like amounts have picked up right i mean is yeah, it are, are they know. still helpful and open or are they like a hey, are i just don't have time for this right now and just kind of like quick and short with you
1: you know i think the the bigger problem that i've had is like catching one when they're not out in the field sometimes mm-hmm. it takes a couple times to like you know, they'll, they'll say like, oh, they're out in the field today. And so sometimes they just don't have time to call you back or whatever, which I, sure. I understand, but um really, I think like a, most of them have been pretty helpful. And um, I mean, they're pretty good about, I guess like maybe part of it is I don't call and say like, hey, I want to go elk hunting. Where would you go? Sure, I, like, yeah. I call with questions like, what's the, what's the primary food source? Like, if I go here, do you think I'll run into elk? Um, are there going to be a ton of people here? Stuff like that. Um,
0: okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I've had pretty good results that sometimes, you know, you get some that just don't want to give up information, which if I hunted there, you know, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't tell me either, you know, right, so I, right. I don't blame them. But, um, yeah. and then I, I've talked to some before where they just said, well, you, you just kind of got to come out here and try it out and i've gone out there and tried it out and it's gone okay you know so i think you know for like um i've talked to a lot of guys like that i work with and stuff like that about western hunting and it is kind of intimidating if you're from the midwest but i think you just got to go and do it because the worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to go out there and you're not going to get anything and if you stayed home you weren't going to get anything anyway, you know? So like, I, like our deer season starts October 1st. So I try to find one in September Mm -hmm. and then it's like, well, I'm not, it's not like it was keeping me from hunting during prime time here.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, um, what's that term? Like you don't know what you don't know until you get out there. Uh And then, and then it gives you, I guess, a better perspective for the following seasons, you know, or wherever else, you you know, you're going to go like, okay, um, next year I'm going to do this or next year I'm not going to uh-huh. do this. So I, yeah, I think, I think, um, what, what about like, um, accommod- like, <laughs> accommodations and making it sound fancy, where are you going to sleep? Right. So how do you pick that out? Like, do you go and like pick out a, let's just say you found your unit, right. Uh-huh. Um, d- is it something you're like, okay, we're definitely going to go camp cause that's the closest there's, there's no close, uh, like cheap hotels or something like that nearby. We don't want to drive back and forth the trailhead or you go because you want to go, camp out in there? Like, well, how, do, how, do you, how did you approach that?
1: Yeah, Um. I guess like when I was a kid, when we'd go like up north, which is like six hours south of here in Michigan, <laughs> which is always kind of funny when people say that, but um, yeah. like we'd go and even in November before my dad got a wall tent with a stove, we'd just stay in a cold tent yeah. and like we did a lot of little weekend fishing trips and stuff like that. So I just kind of always like figure on camping and then when you get out west, a lot of times the places are so remote that it just wouldn't be practical to like go stay at a motel or, you know, sometimes maybe a national forest campgrounds close by, but um, I'll usually just on, on X, I'll kind of have like, this is the place that I'm going to start and then I'll set up my camp there. And then sometimes you get there and it ends up being, you know, what you expected. But like last year when, Um, we were elk hunting. We drove around for probably an hour or so before we found a camp and then we were, or a campsite that we liked. And then we were able to get into elk close enough. But I think like the day that we heard that fight, if we hadn't run into elk that day, we were going to pack up and move like an hour away. Um, so I think you just kind of got to be flexible. Like we got, um, a Coleman tent that sets up in like 60 seconds just mm-hmm. so that way if you know if there weren't animals or if we ran them all off and scared them all we could pack up and go someplace else
0: sure sure so you're not exactly um like like uh what do you call it like bivy uh not bivy what do you call that no uh uh-uh.
1: yeah no, then,
0: yeah don't. or yeah not so on, on your back but you know you, you don't have a wall tent either so you, you kind of right, just yeah. relatively and um what about crowding like did you did you get did you run into a lot of what was hunting pressure like
1: um you know it kind of depends on like where you're at i think hunting pressure is relative because if you call a biologist and say nebraska they're going to be like oh yeah there's a lot of people to hunt here and like for nebraska there probably are a lot of people to hunt there but like for you and me being from michigan and minnesota or a guy from wisconsin it's probably not going to be as bad as what you're used to three
0: other cars in a parking lot's not really a crowd right (laughs) like
1: when when we lived in southeast michigan there was a place that i hunted a lot and on opening day of bow season so like october 1st it was a square mile i drove around there at like 10 o'clock on like a weekday morning and there were more than 10 cars parked out like in that like that's not something that you'll see like out west but it can be kind of funny because like sometimes you get in especially with, like, easy-to-get units you get in places that are, like, um, they'll have, like, a lot of public land, but it'll be landlocked. Mm-hmm. So, it'll, you know, it'll say it's got, like, a gazillion acres, but you yeah. can only hunt a third of that because there's no way for you to get to it. So those places can be kind of tricky. Um, yeah. Rifle hunts are always worse than archery hunts. Um. But, yeah, I mean, it, it does sound to me like elk hunting can be pretty bad depending on where you're at um but I don't know I guess I'd kind of like rather go someplace that's undesirable for one reason or another and not have as many animals sure. and then have to deal with less people just because that's that's just like you know
0: like yeah, there's you're, way you're, less deer <laughs> up here you're,
1: than there are where you know lower Michigan but it's sure. what
0: I like you were uh, talking about uh that one square mile or whatever it was, you know, they drove around or but so, uh, uh, several years back, um, uh, I, I try not to go out for firearm season here. If I do, I go up north to my buddy's place. Um, you know, private land. Otherwise I'm, you know, either in an archery only, um, you know, WMA or, or uh, refuge or something here because, well, just because, right. Uh-huh. Um, but so, so a few years ago, I went to this one and, um, See, you never know who's going to come in after you, right? Because uh-huh. there's always, like, the late stragglers, or people just come in later or whatever. So I got into this place, and it looked really sweet. and It was kind of overlooking this kind of, like, cut uh, cornfield, you know, that the, uh, that the DNR manages and stuff. So I didn't see another car in the parking lot, okay? okay. So I'm in there, and um, I got there, like, you know, dark, dark, right? So I'm in the dark for, like, an hour at least, minimum, right, before even a hint of, like, gray light kind of comes through. So uh once i kind of had enough i think i think i really needed to go to the bathroom it was one of those things i'm like you know what i'm nothing i'm i'm just gonna hike out of here before it's too late you know get in Uh the car and go somewhere right so i stood, and this is this is rifle season or firearm season so i stood up okay because i was kind of sitting down hunkered down I i wasn't in a tree or anything like that and i kid you not like we're we're overlooking this um uh like i said this kind of like not a huge cornfield you know but enough that you could see across the other side and all the sides or whatever i stood up probably i don't know it was about 8 8 30 or whatever to kind of have a uh, have a peek around and around the entire perimeter i mean i saw a minimum of six maybe eight little oh, wow. like orange orange pumpkins you uh-huh. know that weren't there there was no cars there when i pulled up you know what i mean and all uh-huh. sides and it was just like the cartoon like the old like elmer fudd you know like opening day you know whatever where um a bugs bunny pokes his head out and all the the hunters are like shooting like toward the center like toward each other you uh-huh. know what i mean like i'm like oh my god so i stood up and it was almost like a horror movie i'm like holy shit i'm i'm out of here i'm walking out you know because you know, i was i was surrounded around this this like you know more than you know it was almost like a full like you know three quarters of a circle you know semicircle where they, <laughs> where there's just like pumpkin 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 i'm like oh boy <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm not coming here. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I, I, I can skip rifle season on public. Cause it's just, it's just not, no thanks. You know, and I got to the uh-huh. parking lot, of course, there was a whole bunch of other vehicles there, you know, that weren't there when, you know, when it was, at, you know, 4am or whatever the hell it was. Right, so yeah. 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 Not, uh, not, I, I haven't had any, um, I haven't had any issues as far as like uh, close calls or anything like that, but, uh, I, I kind of don't want to risk it either. You right, know what yeah. I mean? just uh-huh. just and i'm even paranoid to the point where like i don't even like white fletchings on my on my arrows oh, really? um oh yeah because you know white kind of you know little patch of white right kind of bouncing through the woods at at dark light you know gray light in morning or late evening you know it's you, you don't know who's gonna take a shot at what you uh-huh. know and i just yeah i'm just i'm i'm I, i'm okay not doing that walking around with a headlamp no matter what you know just like Great. hey you know i'm here kind of thing so yeah anyway, what part but I of the state are you in um so i am like just southwest of the city uh, of the city so okay. um yeah I'm, I'm in i'm in victoria if you know where that is but okay it's, uh, i don't
1: remember where that is so.
0: yeah wh- where so where were you when you lived here
1: i lived in rochester which was pretty busy
0: oh yeah yeah okay so i do uh-huh. you know so obviously so I'm, um so that's that's some nice hunting down there by the way uh-huh. you know unfortunately yeah. it's become like a huge cwd zone that entire like southeast corner oh, really? um Oh, yeah. And same as around here, too, the, the metro area. But uh, no, I'm, I'm like, if you look at the Twin Cities, I'm like southwest by about a half an hour. Like, I'm far away into the suburbs where I don't have to, you know, I, I'm, okay. I'm not a I'm not a people person as far as like urban, urban, you know, uh-huh. people. I don't like cities and stuff. But yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not out on the farmland sticks or anything like that either, but uh, okay. far enough away to, to hopefully keep that nonsense at bay for at least a few more years. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, um, uh-huh. but you uh, so, so you don't necessarily just hunt, though, I noticed with just just, just bow hunting, right? I mean, you, uh, you shot that bear with a rifle. I know you, you went on an antelope hunt with a rifle. I mean, uh-huh. um, do you just kind of try and take advantage of, of whatever seasons are available or, or, um, just, just want to change up the equipment just for, you know, just for the hell of it.
1: Um, you know, I like, if there was a spear season, I'd probably hunt with a spear. <laughs> I kind of like everything. Like I, um, I've got a flintlock that I hunted with a little bit this past season and, um, i had like when we lived in lower michigan i did most of my hunting with a compound and i shot a lot of deer with the compound and then when we moved up here it just kind of like lends itself more towards rifle hunting and um, i kind of got into rifle hunting and i didn't bow hunt as much for a few years and then when i decided to like go full into traditional as far as my bow hunting went then i got like you know it kind of like reignited my interest in bow hunting again. Um,
0: now, what, what about it made it more conducive to rifle hunting? Can you ex- explain that a little bit?
1: So like where I live, the popular, we get a ton of snow, like we get almost 200 inches a year. Ooh. So we just don't have a lot of deer. And mm. uh, there was not this past season, but the season before was the only year since we've been back up here that um, you could shoot a doe with archery gear in the unit that I live in now there there's like other units that I hunt that you can shoot does and like you know like that late season hunt mm-hmm. I was in a, a different area um but it's just there's just not a lot of deer and um it there's not a lot of bucks and um so it's pretty hard to to get on them other than you know during like the chasing phase and well, it's, sure. it's all big woods So it's not, like, when we lived in lower Michigan, it was, like, ag land was a lot of, like, the rural private, and then a lot of the public was, like, swampy cattail marshes adjacent to, like, oak forests or ag on public. So Mm. it was, like, very cut and dry of, like, the deer are going to be in cattails and, like, marshy, nasty stuff during the day and then transition out to food, and, like, I got pretty decent at Narrowing them down to like, you know, a specific trail. And here, yeah. like a lot of times, they'll just kind of like meander through. So it's like, okay, like here's a transition between like oak trees to popples or like oak trees to uh, blueberry bushes. And then they'll kind of like run that edge, but then they'll kind of also be everywhere. And uh, big woods deer are just tough to narrow down. I got a lot of like close encounters this past season and i feel like i'm getting better at it
0: um yeah i was yeah. i was i was kind of thinking you, you might say that because um so same here i'm not quite as up north obviously when i, when I go up north for but like i said if i if i go up to a friend's property um it's it's a few hours north of here and lots of like like you said those popples you know where there's a uh-huh. lot of high stem count right there's yep. like it's like looking through um, it's like looking through a like a, like a comb or like or a like a hairbrush or something like that where uh-huh. you got a tiny you know you got small trees that are like the size of anywhere from your wrist to your thigh maybe right yeah um, and but there's like a billion of them and you can't really see a good path through them and same thing up there like they've got like kind of trails cut, you know. Uh-huh. Um, and it's 100% like like rifle uh uh rifle property, right? I mean, you could bohon a couple of the areas, you know, a couple of areas in there since, you know, I've been up there for, you know, a bunch of years now to kind of figured out some more some more spots, but you're right, it's amazing how they just kind of just filter through however and whenever they want through Uh those like tight like popples and stuff, they just kind of all of a sudden it's like, well, I did not expect you to pop through there. I mean, Uh there's some trails, obviously, but they just you're right. They just kind of filter through like you would not expect. Like, why are you walking through there? There's an easier trail right here where I can shoot. Uh (laughs) You know, why are you over there? (laughs) That's that's just what they do. It's 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 totally different than here, because like um, like you said, it's for me here, it's like kind of oak. You know oaky areas uh-huh. into river bottoms into swampland and marshland that kind of stuff that's that's you know kind of where i hunt and they're a little more predictable as far as like um like you said where they're going to bed where they're going to pop out not a lot of ag around here but uh-huh. i can at least um predict like their transitions between uh you know coming out of the marsh going to wherever the hell is they're going to go to um and and filtering through like the oak areas but um yeah totally uh, different D- different, I guess, mindset when it comes to hunting them. Yeah. Um, do you do you uh do you have a problem with like like predators up there, like like lamely wolves or coyotes or anything like that? I mean, how's that up yeah, there for you?
1: We do have wolves. um I saw one two years ago when I was doing my spring scouting, and then uh, I think I think there's a picture on my Instagram of a wolf that I got on trail camera. I want to say like last winter or last spring, um, that I, I think I, that's when I posted it. I can't remember when the picture was, but I, I just had the camera, like on the scrape line. Mm-hmm. Um, they're definitely around. We've got a lot of bears, like, especially right around where I live. Um, yeah. there's a lot of bears. And then, um, like, I won't say a hundred percent sure. Cause I like, I think a lot of people like misidentify this, but I'm like 99% sure I saw a mountain lion, uh, like five or six years ago those are <laughs> pretty few and far between i think they do have um, some verified sightings and uh, sometimes you know somebody will get some tracks or a picture on a trail camera but
0: um, yeah, we've got them here up oh north. yeah oh absolutely yeah i mean i've got a buddy that's um, uh, a guy showing me trail camp pics of, of where where they hunt you know um, uh-huh. and full-on mountain lion right there you know i mean uh-huh. he's been there he or she whatever's been there for you know a few years now so yeah they're around
1: Uh uh-huh i think i think like here wolves are um the bigger complaint that guys have um most guys around here hunt over bait and i think you know that i think that maybe kind of like concentrates them and i don't do that um so i don't you know i don't have a whole lot of like interactions but i mean you see like in the spring you'll see uh like in the deer yards where they've um you know where they've killed deer and you see like mm-hmm. the hair and their their poop and all that yeah.
0: yeah um do you think it's warranted for uh you know the the whole like mountain oh uh, sorry the, do you think it's warranted like the the wolves get the bad name right but then like mm-hmm. you said um a, a lot of people that spend time especially up like in northern we don't have a ton of bears down by me uh, there's a few you know that people have seen um but you know guys in the know say hey you know bears are uh probably more of a problem with fawn predation than than wolves are you know because wolves when they come in um again i'm not a biologist and i have no experience with them other than i've heard them howling like you Uh know 1500 yards away when i was up north a couple times but um it it seems like when the wolves come into an area they announce that they're there right they're very Uh braggy in other words they howl a lot they move around a lot And um, my estimation would be that they kind of either make deer uh, kind of be be quiet. You know what I mean? Not that Uh they're vocal, but I mean, as far as like movements and stuff um, and push push other animals out of the area because they announce their presence versus like bears. um, Again, never 100 bear, but it seems like they're just like super stealthy. Like anyone that tells me that they like, they hunt bear. They're like, they're like, it's been quiet, quiet, nothing, nothing, nothing. All of a sudden I blink my eye and there's a giant bear standing there. How do they get here so quietly? You know? Um, So I don't know, to me that might mean like, Hey, maybe, maybe they're just like better stealthier predators. um, You know, that instead of pushing the animals away uh, out of the area, they're actually killing them.
1: Yeah, I don't know, bears are funny, like, how, because you wouldn't think an animal like that would be as quiet, but they definitely, they're kind of, they just kind of, like, appear, they're, like, watching a cartoon, and you're just, like, you're looking at a spot, and then there's a bear standing there. Yeah, Um, yeah, I don't, you know, I think that, like, whereas wolves would go after more, like, aged, age class of deer yeah um i think bears are are really only after the fawn so i, I think that's my understanding i mean i'm not mm-hmm. a biologist but i think they're kind of probably just more of an issue in the spring um and i don't know you know like i'd say most upper michigan just does have a lot of bears they're hunted pretty hard so they don't tend once in a while somebody will shoot a really old one but um i don't think that they tend to get real old but there's just a ton of bears here and i think you know like some areas that have uh you know less snowfall have more deer and um you know better habitat and stuff like that but I, i don't really know how much of an impact they actually have um you don't really like i'll probably just happen if i'm not hunting bears like just happen to run into a bear every other every other or like every third year maybe Mm -hmm. um and then i've only ever actually laid eyes on one wolf here so yeah um, it's kind of really tough to judge exactly how many there are around um i think like you know wolves they've got their like you know they had their like objective number of 600 or whatever that they've been at yeah forever um and I don't, you know, I don't know how to even, like, begin to evaluate. I will say, like, when we first were here 15 years ago, it seemed like I heard them howling more than I do now. But I think it's pretty subjective, you know, as far yeah. as, like, just me personally.
0: Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, no, j- just interesting because... um You know, what what you hear out of people who actually live kind of like up north where you do and other people like northern Wisconsin, northern Minnesota, whatever, um, their, you know, perspectives of, you know, their actual experiences, you know, Uh because they actually happen to live there are obviously totally different than the narrative that you get from even like the DNR, you know, where Uh where they say, oh, we've only got so many. And then everyone's like, ah. I, I see that many in like you know <laughs> in this county, let's say. Right. You know what I mean? We've got way more than you, than you're letting on. So I, I don't know. Yeah. So it's, it's always it's always it's always good to get like um just just like the uh like a farmer, or rancher, or whatever is like you know the the ultimate you know source of information of like what goes on on their land. You know what uh-huh. I mean? Because they're like so intimately involved in it. Um, that's where you get the real scoop from. So yeah, I, I, was, I think I was just curious.
1: The thing that sucks about, like, wolves and predators is there's so much emotion involved in them. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to see them, like, you know, extinct. Eradicated, I, yeah. Right, like, um, I'd like to see them managed and, and hunted. And and I, I think just with, you know, like, the political nature of it, I, I think that's, that's a challenge in today's world.
0: You know, it seems like in the last... I, I don't know maybe, maybe it's just me but it seems like in the last like month maybe right maybe two months um i don't know whether it's just happens to be that way or there's like some concerted effort you know in the background somewhere being funded by something but there is this huge attack on just just hunting rights kind of in, in multiple uh-huh. states now and it, especially with predators and stuff you know i mean uh was was it was it uh washington was it the washington yeah. ban uh-huh. uh uh, bear hunting and then they're trying to do it they're trying to uh, you know mountain lion and bobcat and stuff in colorado and arizona there's 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 something like introduced like like you know and and new jersey obviously lost it you know starting this year i guess uh it's you know new jersey you'd almost like you'd almost expect it from like an Uh east coast state like that right but, I mean, Arizona, uh, Colorado is being just taken over by, you know, just kind of like leftists and, and stuff right, anyway. Yeah. But, I mean, um, I, I just, so, some of those some of those states where it was almost like a staple now is just like under like hard, hard attack. And I don't know where it's coming from. I don't, like I said, I don't know if there's like this concerted effort behind the scenes by, you know, I, I, I'm not going to go like the, you know, oh, all the George Soros funded, you know, whatever. Right, but yeah, I, mean, I, know so, what mean. I don't know if someone's funding it or not because I, I it's just yeah like a hard hardcore push like all of a sudden like all boom 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 you know multiple states all at once Uh uh-huh you know and
1: it's weird because like i grew up in a pretty rural like conservative area and like i hunted all my friends hunted like all our neighbors hunted so to me like the idea of somebody being mad about you hunting just seemed odd Mm -hmm. and i didn't know until like a few years ago when i started listening to podcasts that people got upset about bear hunting (laughs) and like and i just thought like I thought that, like, bear hunting was something, like, cool that maybe you get to go do one day. And, right. like, I like the people around here tend to know, like, that you hunt bears and eat bears, and, like, bears are good to eat. But then, mm-hmm. like, people that aren't from here, like, they're always like, oh, you shot a bear? Did you, do you eat it? And, like, yeah, it's great. Like, it's better than venison. So, yeah, I mean. Aren't, aren't the, they
0: endangered, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah, right, yeah. No, there's plenty of them around. They knock over my garbage cans once in a while.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Too much, uh, too much Disney, you know, too much, uh-huh. too much, too much emotion. It's, uh, and I, I don't know, you know, what, what, what's going to stop that. Um, you know, it yeah, seems I like I, we're kind of getting off track, but I mean, it seems like a lot of these, uh, game and fish departments and DNRs and stuff, I hear it out of Colorado a lot. Um, uh, you know, where they're being, I'm, I'm going to use the word infiltrated, you know, uh-huh. by people who, who, are for, well, straight up anti-hunters. Uh-huh. You know, I understand like they their job is to manage not just game, but like um, uh, you know the, the, the wildlife and, and parks and things like that. You know, but um, you just just kind of hear a lot of stuff about like hey, they, these 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 people that are coming in as game wardens and managers and things like that, they've never hunted, they have no interest in hunting. Not only that, they have uh, you know a very poor view of hunting and hunters and, and, you know, when you let the, you know, what is it, what is it? like the fox in the hen house kind of thing or whatever uh-huh. is what the term is, you know, um, you're, you're being sabotaged from within and, and, and then, you know, you've got nobody to stick up for you when, you know, legislators, you know, we say let, don't let legislators, um, make, make wildlife, you know, laws, let the biologists uh-huh. do their job. Well, if you don't have someone on the, on the DNR game and fish or whatever you want your department's called, um, advocating for you at some of these meetings and hearings and and things like that that i mean you're screwed so Uh i don't know i don't know what's going to happen there it's it's not it's not looking too good uh in in a very near future unless you know there's there's a lot of people to speak up
1: yeah you know i don't know like i don't yeah i don't know what the answer to that is other than like just to re-normalize hunting um and it's you know i don't know it's it's weird (coughs) because where I live is is kind of an area that's like known for hunting but it's also kind of like getting that um transformation that like Colorado has too and I just don't I don't know other than like you know show it in a positive light like how you get past it and it's like you know we worry about stuff like that and then you hear other people like did you hear that podcast that Matt Ranella did where it's like Mm -hmm. anybody that like talks about hunting is ruining hunting because there's a million people in the woods now and it's like well how are there like a million people like how are we overrun with hunters but then we don't have enough people advocating like i i just don't i don't know what the the answer to that is um yeah i don't know like we got to get people more grounded in in reality though to where they're um you know not trying to, to ban all these things
0: yeah I I don't I listened to that just before you said that I was going I was going to say you can only make so many people listen to the meat you know or watch a meat eater you know what I mean because uh-huh. he seems to be like a good ambassador for and any is obviously right I mean you hear it all uh-huh. the time I'm not a hunter, but I watch this. My wife's not a hunter, but I watch, whatever, right? right. Um, but then, you know, I listened to um, I didn't listen to the original one where he went on, I can't remember what podcast, another podcast, but I, I, I listened to the one where he was on, on on the Meat Eater podcast, his brother was. And uh, it, it was pretty funny. It was pretty funny to listen to because it, it got pretty contentious. You know what I mean? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you listen to that one?
1: No, I just listened to the one where he was on Blood Origins.
0: Okay. Yeah, no. It was, do yourself a favor and listen to listen to the, the one with uh when he was on uh, uh steve's podcast okay. because uh and the good stuff really starts around like the 50 minute mark when they kind of get okay. into this you know and oh <laughs> uh-huh. man it's uh, it gets it gets a little heated a little bit you know and um i don't know if you listen to meat eater a lot or, or uh to, to that to that podcast a lot you know but um do, do you listen to that one
1: uh, not so much anymore i used to listen yeah. to it a lot i just haven't as much recently though
0: so I, I, I like Steve Ranola but I but it's also like I can only take like so much of, of like like listening to him right because uh-huh. he's he, he's he's very uh, like <sighs> He, he likes hearing his voice a lot i think right uh-huh. he cuts he cut he cuts you off a lot um uh-huh. always always interjects with some story about you know are you familiar with the you know uh, writer such and such no i'm not steve you know just get to <laughs> the point you know what i mean it's almost like a showboating with his you know like knowledge and stuff um you know the writings of humorous such and such I, I don't know just you know whatever but um matt you know every time steve tried to make like a joke or whatever he pretty much told him like to just shut the f up you know uh-huh. <laughs> just like listen to me and he like he, he like he shut him down because he was pretty heated, and I've never seen anybody really do that to him on his own podcast before. So it was kind of huh. it was kind of I was kind of like, yeah, you tell him, you know. <laughs> it was kind of uh-huh. like I was, I, was, I was listening to this this banter back and forth, but um, I you know I I I'm of the same uh, I don't say I'm the same opinion. I have the same I guess frustrations as what he's saying, but. Uh, I, I don't know if, if there's more hunters or less hunters where we've always been told that. Right. Uh-huh. But for me, I don't know whether it's like COVID, you know, induced people going out more or whatever the past couple of years, I see way more people in the woods, Yeah, you know, and I'm like, that's enough. We don't need any more, you know? Uh-huh. Um, but I think you said it like the people that are out there who are there. I don't think are advocating enough, like all the influencers and uh, yeah. you know, celebrities and, and, and uh-huh. things like that. I mean, um, I hope that's going to change because we've kind of been in this uh, until like these recent attacks, it seems like we've all been in this kind of, um, I mean, there's been attacks here and there, but we've, they've been in this kind of, kind of cocoon, like, oh, we're just going to keep hunting. You know, it's all about this, all about white tails, all about that. Uh-huh. But, you know, all these attacks on, on predators and uh, you know bears and this and that and, and and introducing wolves and you know we're we're being out, outspoken. Out, we're not outspoken we are being out um, uh, they're they're outspeaking us you know what I mean as far as the voice goes
1: yeah they, I, they I, think,
0: I think some of it is just that like
1: people that have gotten axe to grind are just relentless you know mm-hmm. with with that um, yeah I I don't know. Um, yeah, I just don't know what to think about it. Um, <laughs> I hate to. I hate to see like the animals go unchecked because you hear stories about like guys that used to live here when there were a lot of deer here, and mm-hmm. they'll tell you stories about tons of deer, and it's like I've never experienced that up here. Like deer hunting here is like a good, like this. This past year, I saw seven bucks. Most seasons, I hunt hard the whole season, and I see three, you know, like, and a lot of those are spikes, Um, and I have to think that those animals have an impact on it. I just don't, I don't know how you, like, you manage deer and you manage woodcock and grouse and everything, bears, bobcats, but then, like, wolves just get, like, this free pass to just to just do whatever they want just because they're a certain species. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Again, I don't, I don't know how you fix that until, until we get some of the louder, more influential voices, um, just kind of just putting their necks out on the line, you know, and, Uh and, and I, and I, and I don't know how you do that. And I think a lot of it comes down to money as well too. Um, and uh you know no, no pun intended but crying wolf you know uh-huh. um that's what that's what you know the anti-groups do because they're well funded and you know they it's like the squeaky wheel gets the grease or whatever kind of thing yeah. but um and i we, guess, oh sorry go ahead. Go ahead.
1: no no go ahead well, here's my solution to it is like up here in upper michigan where there's wolves there's not a whole lot of people saying we need more wolves, but like down in Grand Rapids or Lansing where there's not, you know, and that's like the majority of like the voters for the state are in lower Michigan. Like, well then let's, re- let's release wolves down there, you know, cause it's like those people aren't having their poodles eaten by a wolf. And there's people up here that have had their hunting dogs eaten by them. I, I think that, you know, if they were a problem, that's probably the same way in Minnesota of like, you know southern minnesota has the majority of the voters and then northern minnesota is where they're a problem and those people aren't where they're a problem so they don't
0: believe that they actually are a problem well i mean on a grand scale just not just with hunting stuff but i mean the 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 city centers the urban centers they have the people they have the numbers right so uh, Mm -hmm. policy goes with whatever you know the um Majority, even though we're not, you know, it's so technically like not a non-majority rule, but um, that's where that's where you have the bulk of the people, and policy is set by urban centers rather than, um, you know, everywhere else. I mean, to p- pick a state, you know, like Colorado, uh, you know, you got you got these kind of like liberal bastions, you know, like Colorado, uh-huh. not not Colorado Springs. Um, uh, what's the one? There? Denver. Or uh, whatever. Yeah. Well, Denver, obviously. Um, uh, I'm thinking of another little town, but anyway, like like Chicago, um, you know, but I mean, if you, if you look at the rest of Illinois, the rest of Illinois is beautiful farmland, right? Uh-huh. But then you get, you get to the Chicago area and it's, I mean, it's a wasteland. Um, but whatever Chicago does, so goes the state, you know, just like New Jersey. I don't know if you have out, out, out to, you know, any of the Eastern, um, states or whatever, you know, just absolutely beautiful. A lot of, you know, uh, a lot of hunting traditions, a lot of, lot of woods, a lot of animals, a lot, you know, whatever, but. Um, just those, those urban centers with, with, you know, either like left leaning or just completely closed minded, uh, you know, voters with money, you know, they, they get scared into, you know, what they did in, in New Jersey, you know, they, they Uh put up these posters of, you know, poor bear, this and that. And, um, but, you know, and they turn a blind eye to, you know, once they get rid of it for, you know, for actual, like uh, taking away hunting rights, Um, then those people then turn a blind eye to the state coming in and, and paying, you know, snipers to, to kill bears or kill mountain lions in California. Uh And it's, it's just, they don't, they don't, they, they'd rather do that because they, for some reason, trust like the government is, is, is more righteous in doing that Uh than, then in their minds feeding or allowing um you know what they believe to be bloodlust for hunters to go hunters to do their thing uh-huh. um they they, they don't they, they'd almost prefer that the hunters just you know that, that didn't happen and then just the government take care of it that way you know to them it's it's a win-win it's it's out of sight out of mind because they don't they don't have to hear about it they don't have to uh-huh. see about it because it's done at night and they also you know cut off the uh, uh like the bloodlust uh you know um uh, avenue or whatever for, for hunters because they either don't like them or they don't understand them, you know, hunting right, in general, yeah. you know, so uh, uh, I, I don't know. That's, I don't think we're going to solve any of those problems tonight, but, uh, no, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we, uh, we have, track of that. So anyway, I've kept John here for like over an hour so. Um, I, I, guess the other thing I wanted to ask you was like, so for, for this coming year, right. So what, what, what are your plans as far as, um, uh, your, your builds, um, and like, like any hunting plan. So it's kind of like a two part, two part question, but I know you say you already do stuff on Etsy and you sell all kind of stuff. Are you looking to kind of ramp up any of this stuff? Are you looking to, you know, uh, you know, to branch out in, into different things or, um, and then just, I guess, whatever your hunting plans are. Yeah. Um, I'd like to kind
1: of ramp up the, the stuff that I have on my Etsy of uh, more knives and, and bows. Um, as far as like specifically, um, I hadn't you know i hadn't really like dialed that in but, um you know definitely like to get more stuff out there i, I just started doing um, the Etsy. i think last summer sometimes so i haven't you know really put a whole lot on there um but then as far as hunting um you know it's funny because by the end of this hunting season you're always kind of tired by the time late season comes around and you're like, you don't want it to be over, but you're kind of like relieved when it is over. So, you know, so that was kind of at that point. And then today before I talked to you, I was out snow blowing and I was thinking like, man, it'd be nice if I could figure out some way to do another big game hunt this winter. Um, Mm -hmm. So I've been kind of looking at uh, getting into turkey this spring. We do have some turkeys up here and it seems like there's more every year. Um, So I'm going to investigate that a little bit further and then um, uh, get a little bit deeper into um, elk and deer, and uh, definitely have that be one of my goals. Is to get one with, um, hopefully, with that Osage bow that I'm working on. So um, that'd be the, the big goal for this coming season would be get a deer with a homemade bow, and um, i and then uh, continue my my hunting here and upper michigan for the rest of the season after i'm done with that
0: hmm. that's well yeah that that sounds like a pretty good plan you're gonna you're you'll probably get hooked on the whole uh, turkey the turkey thing because uh-huh. i did <laughs> it's just a ton of fun you know um especially spring because you know, you know what i like is because you can get you can get your your hunt in and still, like, if you're going to go to work, it's probably just, like, be at work after turkey uh-huh. hunting, you know, you know what I mean? Because, like, it's, uh-huh. like, light out at, like, 4.30 or whatever right, it is during, yeah. like, May or something like that here. So, you can go uh-huh. sit for, like, you can get, like, a three-hour hunt in, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you know, and then still, still make it to work if, uh, you know. And I, I like doing that. And that's kind of, like, the only part of, like, spring and summer I really like. You know, after that, it can, and I, I, I pretty much, like, uh, count down till October, you know, but, uh-huh. um yeah tur- 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 turkeys uh i still haven't shot one still haven't shot one uh, missed a few times but just you know I'm, I'm doing that on the ground now with just like a ghillie suit or a leafy suit or whatever and it's just, okay. it's just such a rush oh man it's such a rush you know even when yeah. you miss so uh-huh. that, that's 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 a ton of fun but um all right so where can everybody find you, you said on the, on the etsy thing obviously under cash scott where, where else are you uh kind of active instagram cash scott 87 um i try to like post the builds
1: kind of as i'm doing um uh, that kind of goes in spurts of when i'm posting and stuff like that but uh, i try to get a fair amount of stuff up and uh you know my uh, hunting and stuff as it's happening and then my youtube which is just my name cash scott
0: cool okay um why don't you hang on with me here i appreciate you coming on tonight again uh it's 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 late for you so it's uh, it's late for me it's even later for you so uh <laughs> hang on while i uh while i close out here so guys go check go check him out go check out his videos um you know you you, you come off as like a very like kind of because you are it seems like like just down to earth everyday guy that's just passionate about building stuff you know and um even even on on your like on your builds on your your hunts uh you know very like you know let guy next door kind of thing very very uh, relatable so i I, that's why i kind of really like watching uh watching your stuff and i kind of wanted to to talk to you uh you know talk to you in person so um definitely go check out uh cash's um channels instagram all that stuff check out his stuff on etsy i'm gonna go look at it uh, after we're done here so uh if you like this episode please like share subscribe super super important leave a rating it's really easy to do um and with that i'll talk to you guys later thanks